there are no second-class, undervalued citizens in the kingdom of heaven, and therefore they should, should never ever be in church. Many of which spent time answering this week uh, when people have brought them, but uh, it's, it was, it's really nice to spend time doing that in person, uh, in real life. So if you do have questions about stuff that you're hearing on a Friday, it's all right to ask. It's all right to, to, to ask questions. The nicest way to do it, as I've done with a couple of people this week, is to sit and have a coffee and talk about it. And I think it's fair to say, uh, with a, a couple of people, we've passionately disagreed this week. Uh, but it's, it's fine. It's, an, it's a non-essential, non-salvific point. And we've left these discussions, let's say, better and closer friends for sharing, for talking in real life uh, about stuff that we see in Scripture. Uh, but again, it raises so, so many questions, uh, one of which, if you follow it to its logical, uh, plain and simple, very black and white conclusion, is that ladies are second-class citizens in church. If you take that passage in its plainest, simplest, black and white sense, one of the conclusions that you can reach, please, please listen, the conclusions that you can reach, not my conclusion, so I don't want to spend time answering that question this week, one of the conclusions that can be reached are that women are not valued as much in church. Uh, so, and just, if you've no idea what I'm talking about, if you weren't with us last week, just do yourself a favor and go back and listen to that either on YouTube or on the, the, uh, the Star Fellowship podcast. But uh, because that is one of the conclusions that we could very uh, logically get to reading that passage, uh, so we're going to look at it this morning. We're going to look at women in the Word. What is their status in Scripture? Uh, and again, this is different to ladies in uh, wider society. I'm not trying to minimize or ignore how ladies have been treated throughout time, uh, how ladies are treated in different contexts and cultures and, and countries. The goal this morning is, is to show how ladies are viewed in Scripture, what is their status in Scripture. And because we don't have uh, six hours to do so, we're going to break it down into kind of parts of the Bible. Uh, we're going for, last week, we kind of looked at that passage uh, with a microscope, these individual words uh, you know, we referenced the Chicago Statement of Biblical Inerrancy, which says, look, the very individual words of Scripture are important. So we looked at that passage last week very minutely. This week, it's more of a big 30,000 feet uh, overview. We just don't have time to talk about every lady uh, in Scripture. So first up, we're going to be moving through our Bibles. First, we're going to look at the first five books uh, the law, the Torah, the law of Moses. Uh, so we'll go to Genesis, where it all began. Uh, we'll go to Genesis chapter 1, probably on the first page of your Bibles. Uh, and we're going to pick up reading Genesis 1 in verse 26. So in the middle, well not in the middle, as, as part of this creation account. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image after our likeness so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the cattle and over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move on the earth. 
God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female, he created them. We could spend loads of time here talking about gender and how many agendas. There's two. Let's just put that one to bed straight away. Uh, In the creation account of Genesis 1 then, God's first word on the subject of men and women is that they are equally created in the image of God. And we see that that there in verse 27. Uh, Male and female, he created them in the image of God. He created them. And they're made, we are made, people are made, male and female, to rule and to reign over creation with God in right relationship with him and with one another. This is really key, and this is an idea we're going to keep coming back to. Neither men nor women received more of the image of God than the other. We're made equal in the image. So bigger picture, Genesis 1, 26 and 27, shows us men and women both have the same goal. We're working towards the same thing. But as we're going to see as as the the big narrative of Scripture progresses, uh, we've got a different role in pursuit of the same goal. And I read this week, uh, the Bible begins with the equality of the sexes as persons, as people, as spiritual beings, as in, in our standing before God, men and women are absolutely equal. Amen? Good. It's nice to know we're on the same page because it's the first page. And if we start disagreeing on the first page, everything else is going to be, we're going to go in very different directions. And then it's a big Jewish book, and it gets very Jewish. So we've had, the ch- we've had chapter one. It's kind of like straight to the point. This is what happened this day, this day, this day. Fish, mammals, people, stuff. Genesis 2 tells us the story again. It repeats itself with a bit more detail, insight into the same story. Uh, so very simply, men and women are uh, uh, same, same, but different. How many people have heard that phrase before? Same, same, but different. If you've lived here more than 10 minutes probably have. And you know what I'm talking about. Same, same, but there's a few differences. Genesis 2 tells us, same, same, different. Uh, Same, uh, equal in the image of God, in our dignity and worth and value, and just base level, dignity, worth, value, image, same, same, different in our roles and responsibilities. Uh, We're going to keep reading from Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make a companion for him who corresponds to him. Now, as we're, as we're working through this, we've got to keep that, the, that initial truth in mind in terms of uh, image, worth, dignity, value. We are the same. We're going for the same goal. But on the way to the goal, we both Men and women play different roles. Same, same, different. Eve, we read, was created as a companion. Maybe your Bible says helper. Maybe you don't like that because it sounds the help. It sounds a bit snooty. We've made man. It's all good. I'll make him a helper. It's, it's, before you take this as a negative, the Hebrew word chosen then, again, if we're going to go back to that statement of what we believe about Scripture in this church, what I believe about Scripture, the words matter. The word that is used that we read as companion, or maybe your Bible says helper, is not a negative word in any way or shape 
or form before you think, well, the Bible says that you're a helper. You're not the same as me. You're a helper. It's not, it's not what I mean. It is possibly the nicest, most positive, uplifting thing to be referred to. Now, go with me on this. It doesn't have the negative connotation that the English word, oh, I've brought my helper along. You might talk about one of your kids. They're kind of helping, but they're not really helping. They think they're helping. You know they're not helping. They're making it worse. Uh, in the Bible, in Scripture, God is frequently described as the helper, the companion. How many people know and love uh, Psalm 121? Well, I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. God is the helper there. And so if Eve, ladies, are made as this indispensable companion that, that, that provides help when you cannot help yourself, it's in no way, shape, or form a negative thing. The companion, the helper, is somebody who does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. They meet the needs of the other person. It is an indispensable companion. Very, very simply, men need women and women need men. Uh, again, we read it there, they correspond to one another. Uh, the idea here, what is being communicated here, is that the woman, Eve, uh, would supply, would uh, provide what was lacking in the man. And what is said between the lines is that it, would work, it works both ways as well. Uh, again, so we're equal in the image in our just base level worth and dignity and value, we've got different roles. We, men and women bring different things to the table. So our first big point from the, the initial books of the Bible, they establish for us, they tell us that men and women are equal in their worth and their dignity and their value before God. Amen? Good, we're on the same page with that. If you want to go deeper into the first five books of your Bible, uh, I'd really recommend there's a great conversation between two uh, PhDs, super intelligent, and also very nice people, uh, Preston Sprinkle and Sandra Richter. If you want to read about, because you've, you've kind of heard, well, the, the, the books of the law dehumanize women, they devalue women. No, if, you, if you read them in their context and in, in its cultural setting, you'll see that the first five books of the Bible protect and value women more uh, than we ever imagined. So I really recommend that. There's a, a great conversation between the two of them uh, on YouTube. Uh, we move forward in our Bibles to the history books, starting with Joshua, finishing with Esther. We've got some very cool pictures of what the women are up to uh, in the history books in our Bible. I love the picture in the middle that's JL from Judges chapter 4. She's got her big uh, tent peg. She's got her big hammer. And if you don't know what she does with it, go and read it. It is a great story that takes us to Jesus. Spoiler, it's not about putting up the tent. So the, 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 the simplest thing to say about this part of our Bibles, Judges through Esther, the history books, is that ladies have a very, very important and often, very, very Christ 
revealing, Jesus previewing role. So we'll just think about these three ladies uh, for example. The, the, the book of Judges is great. It takes us to Jesus in so many different ways. It shows us why people needed a savior, why we are not enough to be looking after and leading one another. There are some ladies of very, very high status in the book of Judges. Uh, we read about Deborah, a prophetess, leading the people in this place at the time. She'd sit, people would come and have their disputes settled. Deborah was, was leading the people in this place and at that time. Uh, and there she is on the right, uh, praising, worshipping, Partly because of what Jael did, uh, the lady in the middle with her hammer. Uh, again, I don't want to spoil it for you if you've, never, if you've never read it. It's a great story. But in summary, Jael gives us this, uh, I don't even know how to describe it. It's just, it's shocking. It's a bit scandalous. It is entirely countercultural. It is 100% not what was expected of her as a lady in this place and at this time. But it's countercultural. It goes against expectations. It's brave. It is courageous. And it is just overtly obedient to what God wants for her and from her. And there is a lot to take from the story of jail that, 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 to show us, to preview uh, what Jesus did for us. Uh, Esther as well. There she is on the left. Uh, again, if you've not read the story of Esther, it's 10 chapters. might take you 20 minutes to read it cover to cover. And, uh, Esther entered into what looked like a situation of certain death to save everybody else. She gave up her own life to save God's people from absolute certainty of death. She was put in a position. She was the one. She was put in this position where she was able to make a choice, to be obedient, go through with it, make a, a huge difference uh, in the lives of God's people. We started 2022 uh, all those months ago by looking at her story because it is so clearly a picture and a preview of Jesus. And we said, look, you don't have to be Esther. Look at what the story of Esther is showing us. Now again, with time in mind, the second big point, this part of our Bibles, multiple times in this, this section, Joshua to Esther, multiple times we read of women who go above and beyond what was expected of them in obedience, in faith, in courage and bravery. And most often they are seeking the good of other people when they do that. And so this, the simplest thing to say that part of our Bibles, the history books, ladies lead us to the Lord in their behavior, in what they do. The women in this part of the world have a seriously special status in that they show us the nature, the character, the work, the redemption. They preview the salvation of Jesus. Amen? Is that not a very special thing? To show somebody through what you're doing who Jesus is and what he's done for people. If you want to go deeper into this part of your Bible, there's a couple of really good articles referenced there. Uh, one is called The Importance of Bread. Don't let the title uh, put you off by Dr. Carol Myers. And the other one is called uh, 11 Things 
you want to learn about ladies in this part of your Bible. It's, if you search for that, you'll, <laughs> it'll, it'll pop up, I'm sure. Uh, for the, again, for the sake of time, we're not going to look at every single book. If you want to learn more this week about ladies in the poetic books, in, the, in Psalms, in Proverbs, uh, there's a great article floating around on the internet about a, the, the female voice coming through in the book of Psalms and the uh, prophetic books, major and minor. If you want to talk about stuff like Goma and the gospel, uh, please do reach out this week. I'd be happy to chat, but we don't have six hours to talk about every book now. And so we're moving quite a bit further forward uh, into the New Testament, if you're flicking along with me. And again, we could, we could just spend hours highlighting uh, women in the Word, their status in Scripture. But uh, again, my personal conviction is that the biggest and most spectacular contribution of women in the Gospels, again, in my own opinion, if you think there's a bigger and better example and you wouldn't have chosen to talk about what I've done, it's fine. It's fine, fine, fine. In my own opinion, the biggest, most spectacular thing that we see of ladies in the Gospel is that they were the first witnesses to the resurrection. Now, if you're kind of new to, to the Bible, uh, well, you've picked, you've picked a great time to come because we <laughs> talked about it in some detail last week. All four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, focus on slightly different aspects of uh, the birth, the life, the ministry, the miracles, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus. They all pick out particular details, and, uh, and it's, it's, it's not a problem that four people have written four accounts, and they're focused on four different things. Uh, you know, if you ask uh, four people <laughs> to, to, to um, if you ask four people to review or to tell you what last week's sermon was about, <laughs> you probably get eight different accounts based on what people took from last week. I've spoken to two or three people this week, and there were ten different takeaways. Uh, so all that to say, look, if four people are going to write an account, the fact that they don't tell the same story in particular details is not a problem. It adds to their uh, authenticity. But anyway, look, something they all agree on, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, something unanimous is that women were the first witnesses to the resurrection. Let's read here from Matthew and Mark and Luke and John. Matthew tells us Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. Mark tells us Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and Salome went to the tomb. Luke tells us the women went to the tomb. Luke was probably concerned with not offending, getting the names wrong. Matthew just says other Mary. Uh, John says Mary Magdalene came to the tomb. They all focus on different aspects, different, they highlight specific things about the birth, the ministry, the life, the death, the resurrection of Jesus. But something they all agree on is that the first people to the tomb on that first Easter Sunday, as we would call it, were ladies. And so you might not think that's a big problem. But the difficulty for these ladies in this place and at this time was that many people in society didn't view them as credible witnesses. So a bunch of ladies arrive and say, look, we've just seen this. Lots of people would, would seriously question that based solely on the fact that it was ladies who were, who were telling the story. 
they weren't given the same status as men in many circles in this place and at this time. But thankfully, this is not so in the eyes of God. All four Gospels recorded this. There is no chance of avoiding this truth. And so, awkward as it might have been for some people, as difficult as it could have been for some people to accept this, this is what happened. Yep, the, the women found it first. The women were the first witnesses to the resurrection. And if, again, in this place, at this time, if you were trying to tell a big fat lie, if you were going to try and fib to everybody about something that you've seen, something that you've found, you wouldn't have a bunch of ladies as the witnesses. You would go and find the, the, the highest status, uh, most locally respected, uh, highest ranking, let's say, men and his cronies to be the first. If you were telling a story, if you were making it up, you wouldn't have ladies as the first witnesses. And just think about that for a moment. If this was all a big fat lie, all four Gospels say ladies were the first ones there. They highlight different things about the, the, the life, the ministry, the miracles of Jesus, why he did this, why he said that. They all agree. They all tell us ladies were the first people on the scene on the Sunday. And as we keep going forward in our Bibles, we get to the part where uh, God has inspired some to write letters to others. And the letters really start to bring everything together. So we said back from Genesis, uh, men and women are made equal in the image of God. Genesis 2 kind of fleshes it out a bit and says, equal in image, same goal, different role to help us get there. And as we get to the letters, we really start to see that this truth is now uh, put into, just kind of put, put into real life. How does this look in real life? Um, the fact that we are equal in worth and dignity and value means we are equal in our access to God and the salvation He offers. Uh, Galatians 3.28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, there is neither male nor female. For you are, for all of you, a one in Christ Jesus. So the access we have to salvation, the opportunities we have to be saved from the consequences of our sin are the same. There's no first come, or men first, and then the ladies can follow. It's also not like the Titanic where the ladies go first, and then the men can follow if there's space or time after. It's all equal in access to salvation to God, which reflects that truth from Genesis chapter 1. Same. Yet a little bit different, yet a bit complementary. Different roles uh, in the home, in the church, the corresponding companion of Genesis chapter 2 comes through in places like Ephesians, Colossians, 1 Timothy, just to name three examples. Uh, they add more detail to that big truth of Genesis chapter 2. So we start off with this idea where it's men, women, same, worth, dignity, value. The New Testament tells us, the letters tell us that is the same now for salvation. It doesn't matter if you're a man or a woman, a Jew or a Greek, a slave or free. We all have access we all have the opportunity to be saved through the work of Jesus. 
How does that look day by day in the home, in the work, in the church, in life? Then we pick up the thread from Genesis 2. We've got these corresponding companion relationships. And we're not here this morning to talk about, to go really deep into uh, these particular roles. Okay, what's a male job? What's a female? We don't have the time. If you want to talk about it this week, I'd be happy to chat about it. But one particular example uh, of how this works in a church, the roles, the value of women in church uh, would be a lady called Phoebe that we read about in Romans chapter 16. We've got a, a nice picture of Phoebe down there. And she's described just off her left shoulder. Uh, she is described as a deacon of the church. She's described in Romans 16 as a, as a servant, as a deacon uh, of the church. Again, if, we, if, we, if we're going back to that statement about biblical inerrancy, that it's true, that it's right, that it's good. We're looking at the individual words. Uh, deacon is a gender-neutral word. It can be a man. It can be a lady. So why, why is it important that Phoebe is described as a, a, a deacon? Something that Paul writes to Timothy about in the context of leaders for your church. Well, again, one of the things we said, the, 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 the possible conclusions from 1 Corinthians 14, 34 and 35, is that men and women are not viewed really equally in, in church, that men are, have a higher status in church. But it would be impossible for Phoebe to have this role, to be viewed as a leader, to be spoken about with the, the warmth and the appreciation that Paul does for, uh, about her, if she was viewed as a kind of second-class uh, member of the church, which again is one of the possible conclusions from 1 Corinthians 14, 35. Paul says, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant, uh, a deacon of the church in Cancrea, so that you may welcome her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints and provide her with whatever help she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many including me. This is not how you talk about somebody who's not seen or heard or valued or respected in the church, is it? Welcome her as you would the saints, believers, one another. Give her whatever she needs. Look after her because she's been looking after loads of people, including me, Paul says. If you're undervalued, unheard, unseen, if you're a second-class member of any group, you're not spoken about like that, very, very simply. Uh, and so all of that to say, ultimately, the letters in our Bibles, they pick up the threads from Genesis and they put it into more concrete, actionable, understandable terms for us. And so the Bible is very consistent in what it says about men and women, valued, loved seen and heard members of the church. So if we were trying to uh, summarize this, if we were trying to you know, get this into as few words as possible, we would say that from beginning to end, properly understood, 
Scripture uh, shows us that women are equal in image, they are the same in status, and yet they are often special and singular in their service. That we are all equal in the image, we are all same in the status before God, and yet we are special or singular in service, what we do when we're here. Uh, there are no second-class, undervalued citizens in the kingdom of heaven, and therefore they should, should never ever be in church. Amen? Aside from what the Bible suggests, uh, teaches, commands about what we do when we're here, the, 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 the value, the dignity, the, the, how much you belong here never changes, men and women. And so if anybody tries to tell you uh, by, by waving their Bible at you that, uh, well, not even waving a Bible, point into a Bible. If anybody tries to tell you that this is a book that looks down on women, that doesn't value women, that treats women poorly, that Christianity holds women as second class, you push back on that in the strongest, most authoritative way you can, which is with God's Word. Because from Genesis to Revelation, women are valued, are equal in dignity, have just super special roles and responsibilities, and you push back on that falsehood uh, with the Word. So being made... Male and female, equal, same, same, but a little bit different, is uh, a divine preview of how eternity will be. Without women, we would be left wondering, what's it going to be like when we die? Let me tell you what I mean. Uh, right to the Ephesians, Paul's writing about family and the home and marriage and the difference between men and women. It's a great passage. We've just been through it day by day uh, with devotionals. And Paul, right into the Ephesians, quite near the end of our Bibles, throws back to Genesis, right at the start of our Bibles, and he makes this profound theological point. He says, men and women being, on the one hand, same, yet also different, equal and complementary at the same time, is an earthly preview of the church in eternity. And so if we don't have or see or value women in the church, women in our lives, we're going to be left wondering, what is eternity going to be like? It takes both men and women for us to, have a, to, to live here now, to have a healthy church here now. And it takes both men and women to see the clearest picture of eternity. If you've got a Bible there, just go with me for a minute uh, to Ephesians. Paul writes in, in uh, Ephesians chapter 5. If you don't, I'm pretty sure it's behind me now anyway. Uh, he's writing about the, the, the difference, men and women. And he talks about why being same but different is good. And he said, look, this mystery is great. We're in verse 32 of Ephesians 5. says, the mystery is great. I'm actually speaking with reference to Christ and the church. And if you go forward to Revelation, you will see 
what we read about in Genesis, how we are there to rule and to reign uh, with the Lord Jesus, how we as his church are there to complement as a, as, a, as a companion, not that he needs the help, but we're there to rule and to reign in right relationship with him as we saw right at the beginning in Genesis. And so again, it takes both men and women to see this really clear picture of eternity, God's original intention for humanity that was initially revealed in Genesis, that was rebelled against uh, by some people, that was restored and redeemed by Jesus, and that we will finally see realized in Revelation. Amen. Let's stand and let's pray together.